What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Big Mike. And I'm Don Bay. And Big Dan is in the building. Today, we got a special guest joining us, Aaron Beverly, recently invited to play in the Genesis Invitational Golf Tournament. Dude, Bev, huge opportunity here with the Genesis. He's going to crush it. Um, awesome golf story and, and our resident golf expert here on Bridge to Bridge. Tiger Woods Invitational, man. That's that's huge. Big, big, big invite there. Let's go. Bridge to Bridge, episode 26, featuring Genesis Invitational golfer Aaron Beverly, is brought to you by an incredible sponsor, the San Francisco Olympic Club Foundation. Where today's children are tomorrow's leaders, the Olympic Club Foundation supports and encourages participation of Bay Area youth in amateur athletics. These programs enrich young lives and develop future community leaders. One of those amazing, life-changing programs is Ace Kids Golf. Partnering with Stefan and Aisha Curry's Eat, Learn, Play Foundation, the Olympic Club Foundation has helped provide considerable funding to Ace Kids Golf, the premier East Bay Junior Golf program. The mission at Ace Kids Golf is to create positive and productive citizens in the community through youth development, life skills, and educational opportunities using the game of golf. Ace Kids Golf, on average, serves up to 900 underserved youth annually from the ages of 5 to 18 and has introduced over 8,000 kids to the game of golf. We are proud to have the Olympic Club Foundation as an episode sponsor and look forward to hearing about all the future Bay Area stars they help foster. How's it going, man? How's everything been the last couple of, uh, I guess it's been a couple of days, right, since the tweet went out from Tiger? Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a whirlwind, especially, you know, a bunch of people kind of reaching out. And and uh, I've never felt so popular in my life, but it's been good. It's been a lot of support from kind of every area and uh, just really looking forward to, to having the opportunity, obviously, to play in the event and, and kind of showcase, you know, what I can do. And how did this all come together? How did you get approved to play in the event? Like, how, how did that whole thing come come together? Yeah, so a couple months ago, I got a phone call from a guy who said, hey, you know, you should submit your resume in for the chance to try to, you know, kind of get this exemption. And it goes to like a board of directors from Tiger Woods Foundation. And they, they you know, they go through all applicants. And, and it comes down to a final three. And I was selecting that final three. And then Tiger has the final say in who gets picked. So. Obviously, he chose me for this year, and it's been pretty neat. And have you been playing golf for your whole life? I mean, I was reading a little bit about you and, and kind of the relationship with your pops and playing golf. Like, can you can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, he started – he put a golf club in my hand when I was three, just a little practice, a little plastic set of golf clubs. And he used to take me every Sunday. We'd go play nine holes at this little executive course in Vallejo. And just kind of fell in love with it from there and played in high school was pretty successful played obviously at Sac State had some success and then after I graduated turned professional and kind of been playing on mini tours played in Canada played in Latin America and you know just trying to keep the keep the dream alive of playing on tour that's yeah that's that's awesome uh you know one of the questions we always ask which is a pretty popular question is is was there a pivotal point for you that where you were like, Hey, I got to put in the extra hours. Like this is now, you know, I'm not looking back, you know, from, from going from just enjoying playing golf to like, this is what I'm doing and I'm not turning back. 
Yeah, so it's there's kind of three pivotal points I would point to for for that moment. When I was in college and competing, when I first or when I won our conference championship my senior year, that's kind of when I knew I was like, okay, this is something that you know, obviously I'm pretty good at, and I put a lot of time into it. But it was that point I was like, okay, this is something that I can really, you know, the dream that I have a plan on tour can be accomplished. So it was that then. Two years after that, I played in a Monday qualifier to get into the Safeway Open, another PGA Tour event. And I started out great. I was 400 through five and then 500 through my first 10 holes and ended up double bogeying my second hole and was three under and 500 ended up getting, making it and qualifying for the tournament and so I was frustrated and what really pissed me off was the next day I had to go to work at the golf course where the PGA Tour event was going to be held and they had me working in the driving range shack sorting balls and I had to take balls one by one throw them in different bins and that was six hours of doing that and I was just so frustrated sitting there like okay I was you know I was one shot away from really you know kind of achieving my dream of playing on tour and now I'm in the shack you know kind of working my ass off for $16 an hour and not, you know, not doing what I want to do. So that was the second one. And then the third one happened a few months ago. I work at Valley high country club in Elk Grove now, and as a assistant professional, and I came in on my off day cause we had a tournament and get the tournament off and I'm kind of just sitting there waiting for the tournament to finish. And my boss comes in and he goes, Hey, can you go out to the driving range and pick all the tees up off the ground? And, and you know, so it looks cleaner. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dick, so I don't, you know, go out and just say, that's, you know, the job that I'm not going to do because it's too below beneath me. So I went out there and it took me an hour and a half and I was one by one picking up these tees, throwing them in a, in a garbage can. And it was at that moment I sat there, I was like, I've been successful in junior golf and college golf and I've had a little bit of success playing professional golf. And yet I'm still here on this driving range, picking up tees one by one for an hour and a half. I said, so whatever I'm doing obviously isn't working to the extent that I need it to. So it was just extra motivation, you know, to get into the gym early in the morning and to practice a little bit longer and really figure out, okay, how do I make my dream playing on tour come true? Cause this, this picking up T stuff, ain't it? Okay. Can you kind of highlight on, on how hard it is to be consistently good at golf? I mean, you can have good days, but to, to get into, you know, a Genesis Invitational, get on a PGA level, how difficult it is to be consistent enough to be looked at as, you know, able to compete at that level. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, golf is, I want to say, one of the hardest sports, like you said, to be consistent, because there's so many different aspects of it, right? You have tee shots, you have your driver has to be good, you have, you know, your iron play has to be solid, putting has to be solid, short game chipping around the greens, in balls out of the bunker, out of the sand. Um, so it's just so many different aspects of it. You know, if you're playing, you know, Dan plays football, if you, you know, if you're blocking, you, you know, you have your set plays that you got to remember and, you know, you, you have to block. That's, you know, that's the one job you got to do all the time. Obviously it varies, you know, with the, with the plays you run, but with golf, it's, you know, courses are always different. Shots are always different. So to be consistent just takes hours of practice on every aspect, you know, not just you can't favor one type of thing. And then your game has to travel. You know, playing golf in L.A. is different than playing golf in Florida. 
It's different playing golf in Texas. It's different playing golf in Hawaii. So there's a lot, you know, that goes into it and kind of getting that consistency, but it just takes time if anything else. I'd like to chime in on that. It's funny because I lived with golfers for a very, like Aaron knows that I lived with golfers actually for like five or six years or so. And I've always liked to consider myself a natural athlete. Like I was, I'm, you know, I'm good at pretty much every sport. And I remember a number of occasions I went out to just give it a try and give it a, like, you know, I was uh, with some of my roommates, some guys that, that Bev knows. And, and I'll never forget the very first time I ever went to the driving range. And the next day, my spine felt like I had literally dropped a 45 pound plate on it about 350 times. Like I've never felt such like, if that's not something that your, your body's normally not doing, it's, it's so crazy. Like I just, I couldn't believe it, that that movement in itself was such a, a struggle for somebody, you know? Dude, Dan, I had a similar experience, but it wasn't physical. I played 18 holes with Mike and I also felt like my spine was put through like a washing machine, but that was more from the mental, you know, challenge of just me and Mike going back and forth, trading blows and trying to get through 18 holes, you know? Yeah. 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 Bev, when you're, when you're out there, how do you, you know, when I play golf, I get really angry when I don't play mm -hmm. well, like really the pain of playing golf with me, friends will tell you that it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. You know, you know yeah. see? I've broken some clubs and, and I'm just, I'm pretty hard headed. How do you like mm -hmm. manage the emotional ride of, of playing and the ups and downs of a round? Yeah, so it's tough, right? Because if you play football, you get pissed off. You can just hit somebody harder or you can, you know, you can run a little bit harder. Same thing basketball. If you miss a shot, okay, well, you can play defense a little bit harder. You can be aggressive, you know, in, in getting rebounds and steals. Golf is just the opposite, right? When you get angry, you can't start swinging harder because it's only going to get worse. So to me, I was a psychology major, and that aspect of golf and that side of it is one thing that's always been – intriguing is just figuring out okay how do i best manage my emotions while i'm playing and i know i've it's kind of been something i've always struggled with is getting angry and getting too upset but recently it's just lowering not lowering your expectations but lowering how you let it affect you and just trying to take the opportunity okay if i hit a bad shot let me see if i can't hit a better shot this next time around and just trying to stay calm. I know for me, this is going to sound entirely like too corny, but I try to focus on just like the sounds of the golf course and kind of you know, looking at the trees and just kind of being thankful for being in that moment and being there. So that helps me a little bit and managing that frustration. But, you know, we still get frustrated. I just you can't let it, you know, carry on or linger on into golf rounds. Would you say like the equipment that you're, I mean, obviously like, you know, people are playing, they love to be fresh and in gear and have the newest equipment. Like, would you say that like having the right equipment helps the mental as well? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, especially like, you know, looking good and feeling good always helps you play good. I think Deion Sanders said that. So if you look good, you play good, you play good, they pay good. So that, uh, that always goes along with it. You know, the new equipment always works better than old equipment. So it's more forgiving and, and kind of more consistent. So it's always nice to have the new stuff. What are some pre-round rituals? Like, is there anything that you do pre-game to kind of get your mind right? And with the Genesis, obviously there's going to be a lot of press. There's going to be a lot of people looking for your attention, like mm -hmm. the Bridge to Bridge podcast. Uh, what are you doing to kind of manage that noise? For me, so 
I'll take kind of two parts. So to answer the first part of the question, pre-round is always the same. I always have the exact same routine. I'll wake up, I'll stretch for about 20 to 30 minutes, either in the hotel room or wherever I'm staying. I'll eat breakfast and then head to the course, usually about an hour, 20 minutes before my tea time. Probably always go to the bathroom first and then warm up putting, uh, then go do some small chipping and then go to the range, go through the bag and kind of work that way. And then the last three or four balls I'll hit on the range is this first tee shot that I'm going to hit that day. So that hasn't, that like preparation has never changed. That routine has never changed since college. So I'm going to, I'll keep it the exact same, you know, come time for the Genesis. And the second part, you know, trying to keep everything quiet. I'm just focusing on one thing at a time. You know, I told my mom that it's honestly, it's an honor and a blessing for everybody, you know, to kind of want to hear my story or, or, you know, just how this all came about. But if I can just stay present in the moment and not worry too much about the future, then I can, I can keep my sanity and I won't go so crazy. Where, where are you at right now? Are you in the Bay area? Uh, Sacramento. Right now. Oh, okay. Yep. Do, do you, do you, um, you know, I know would love to hear about you growing up in the Bay area. I know you mentioned playing at the, the nine hole course. Do you go back there a lot as like, is that kind of your special spot? You go kind of like, you know, play through and just reset, get your mind right? Yeah. So I grew up in Fairfield. The executive course I talked about in Vallejo was right next to, well, I would call it Marine World, but Discovery Kingdom now. Um, And it closed down, I think, three or four years ago. Um, But growing up in Fairfield, my home course was Rancho Solano, Paradise Valley. Uh, I go out there usually once a week, at least twice a month. And it's actually funny. The, so when the news came out about me getting this exemption, right, my phone was blowing up and everybody's reaching out. But that afternoon, I went back to Rancho Solano and I just spent two hours just practicing. I turned my phone off and didn't, you know, kind of reach out to anybody. And it was so peaceful because it just took me back to being a kid going out there. And, and you know, as a kid, my dad would drop me off and I'd spend five, six hours out there and come pick me up afterwards. Um, so to have those two hours of it just being quiet and kind of reminiscing on how far I've come and where I kind of started was really nice. What does it feel like, you know, for some of our listeners that don't understand the PGA tour and all that, you know, you, you get, you find out you're in the Genesis and you've landed that spot kind of, t- what does that mean in the grand scale and, and how big, I mean, is that we have an understanding, but for our listeners, can you kind of walk through what that means as a professional golfer and how big that, that opportunity is? Yeah. So for anybody, you know, if you know kind of sports or uh, any situation, maybe not golf, but I think the best way to put it is like Stanley Johnson gets a 10 day contract with the Lakers, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And Today, he's signing a two-year deal with the Lakers. So now he's solidified his role and his spot on the team and, and is in the NBA now for a set two years, you know, kind of barring injured. So for me, it's it's kind of like that. It's just a little bit bigger because, you know, it's just I don't get 10 days of a contract to prove to myself or to prove to anybody. Golf is just a solo thing, and I get, you know, kind of two days to play well and, and put myself on the map. But but it's, you know, an opportunity to change my life. You know, if I go out there and uh, finish top 10 or, you know, win the tournament, now I'm set on the PJ Tour and I don't have to work uh, at a golf course five days a week, 40 hours a week. Um, so it's, you know, just kind of a life-changing opportunity. And especially, you know, everyone knows Tiger Woods. I don't, I don't know, you know, 
too many people that know sports and don't know him. So for him to give out the invitation is really, you know, kind of surreal. Would you say it's equivalent to like your, your Super Bowl? I mean, like in, in sports terms, I mean, that's like going to the Super Bowl for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think individually it would definitely, you know, qualify as, as a Super Bowl or NBA finals. Or, I mean, it's just, it's tough because it's so individual. Like you can't, like Dan's not yeah. going to get a phone call from the Niners. Hey, Dan, we need you, you know, in the NFC championship. But, you know, you can imagine how you would feel if you did get a phone call like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to go to that. When is that and where is it at? The 17th through the 20th of February, Riviera Country Club in Rancho Palisades, so L.A. Oh, that's I'll, I'll be there. You can you can guarantee that's in my backyard. They may they may not let me on the course past a certain point, but I will be no. there for sure. No, maybe no. if we maybe if we get him a, a media pass, that might be able to sneak him a little. Yeah, get him a little pass. closer. Hey, speak, <laughs> speaking speaking of Riviera, you know, with an event like this and getting on that, you know, there's a lot golf clubs by nature are very elite. Um, they only let certain members on. Do you or is your phone blowing up now with folks who are saying we'd love for you to come play at our course in so and so spot? We only extend this to a certain amount of people, but we would love for you anytime you come play here. Are you getting a bunch of those calls? Yeah, so I was actually down at Riviera the last couple of days, Monday and Tuesday, and met some people out there. And it was kind of just like what you just talked about. Oh, you come play, you know, LA Country Club. We'd love to have you. Love to host you. Or come play Bel Air country club. We'd love to have you. And, and I'm just sitting, you know, I'm just trying to be appreciative of everything, but yeah, it, it is one of those things that this is kind of opened the door for opportunities to play, you know, some of the nicest golf courses and obviously in LA or hopefully, you know, eventually around the country and around the world. But yeah, the door has definitely been open at this point for that. What is the nicest course you've ever played or, or your favorite? So my favorite course of all time is Spyglass. It's down in Monterey, right off 17-mile drive. The nicest golf course I've ever played, at least the shape it was in and kind of the feeling, was the Golf Club of Georgia. I've never been to Augusta in Georgia, but this course has to be an equivalent because that's just the way it looked and kind of the shape of everything. So those would be top two. Have you attended a lot of the big golf events that have like happened in the Bay Area or – like, have you gone to, to like the U.S. Open or the players or, or, or anything like that in your childhood with your dad? The only tournament my dad and I ever went to a PGA event was AT&T Pro-Am. We went to go watch Tiger play when he was playing at Spyglass. And then I caddied at the Safeway Open. It's in Napa. That was two years ago. And I kind of worked the tournament for three years. So I've seen that one. But no, I didn't get a chance to go to the U.S. Open or the PGA when they were in San Francisco. But watched on TV. So, and I played the course. So I know, you know, kind of what they're like. Yeah. You know, so the morning, uh, the tiger sent that tweet out. Did you know he was going to do that? And like, was the phone going crazy when that happened? Yeah. So I didn't know the tweet was coming and my roommate, Marcus and I, we were driving to the gym. It was, you know, six 15. We're on our way. Like, I'm just, I'm, I know the news is going to come out. Like it's cause they had told me a week prior that, it was going to be official come, you know, Wednesday. That's when you texted me and said, hey, be prepared for some news on Tuesday. Yeah. You were like, <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, I text, right. yeah, I text Anna. I was like, hey, just make sure your, your schedule is free Tuesday because, you know, we might need to go celebrate or kind of whatever. But I couldn't. They told me specifically not to let anybody know exactly what the news was. So just keep it under wraps until it's public. But like I said, Mark and I were driving to the gym and all of a sudden my phone goes off. It's a notification. Twitter and I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I open up my phone and 
I was, I've never been in more shock in my life to like read Tiger's Twitter and see my name on it. And I smacked Marcus and I was like, look at this. And we sat in the car for like five minutes in the parking lot, just going nuts. But then the whole time while we were trying to work out the whole like hour and 15 minutes we were there, our phone just would not stop. I mean, phone calls, text messages, people kind of, you know, like, is this real? And I hadn't told my mom the news yet. <laughs> and so I had to call her and, you know, kind of inform her what was going on. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a, definitely a moment in time I'll never forget. When when you're in that moment, you know, hey, as someone, you know, my, my pops passed away when I was 15. And I'm sure, you know, there was a phone call you wanted to make. But obviously your pops is looking down and, and proud. But, you know, what, you know, can you kind of tell us how, you know, it feels and, and knowing that everything your your dad helped you to achieve and getting to this level and, and, you know, what that felt like. Yeah. I told my mom, actually, when I called her, I said, it's so bittersweet, you know, cause it's obviously a great accomplishment and an honor, but to not be able to call him or, or tell him the news, I bittersweet is the best way to put it, but I know he would have been the, just the happiest person on the planet and the most, you know, proud of me he'd ever been. And I was joking with her. I said, as much as my phone was going off that day, I know that man would have been on the phone telling everybody, calling everybody. But it's just a validation of all the hard work and time we spent. I mean, no one ever really saw how much time we put into it. I mean, I'm talking five, six hours, you know, kind of every day on a driving range or, you know, kind of looking over, you know, like you study film for football, but we'd go over film with my swing and, and everything. And he pushed me, you know, and at times that, I might not have wanted to be, and he challenged me at times I might not have wanted to be, but he saw this dream for me way before I saw it, and he knew that it was going to be possible, and obviously now that it's happening, he'd be beside himself because it, it would just be happy and just sit there and, and kind of look back and laugh at it and be like, all right, well, you know, you still got work to do, so that's, that's kind of how it would go. You, you mentioned that he, he kind of pushed you when you didn't want to be like, is this kind of more so in high school and college or was this kind of when you were younger, maybe you were interested in some other sports? Can you talk a little bit on that? Yeah. So I just remember one time really vividly is right after my senior year of high school, right before college is about to start. And, you know, all my friends are going to all these places because it's going to be the last time all of our high school friends are going to be together. You know, they're taking vacations or they're going to Santa Cruz and kind of all this stuff. And, you know, I just wanted to enjoy like that part of my life and just do that. But my dad's vision was, no, you got to get prepared to be ready for college because as good as you were in high school, you know, that next step is going to be a little bit different. So there was, you know, trips I couldn't take, he didn't let me take and he took me right to the golf course and we practiced. And, you know, at the time he was just so angry because you're a teenager. And like, no, I just want to have fun with my friends. But like I said, he always had the bigger picture in mind and always had my best interest in mind too. So that, that specifically, I know it was one time that he, he pushed me for sure. And it always just challenged me to be just a better person, like a good person. I remember a good story. This is my freshman year. We were playing our home tournament. And one hole, I hit a bad shot and took the club and I smacked it against my bag. And I was just, just angry. You know, like we were talking, I didn't break the club. Maybe not like you, but, you know, <laughs> I smacked the bag. And he was watching. He walked over. It's the middle of the tournament. Walked over. He grabbed me right by the the caller, he said, if you ever do that again in front of people, I will take you off this golf course myself. And he just had that look of, of death in his eyes that, you know, my dad could only put fear in, in 
to me. But you're saying you didn't happy Gilmore. You didn't happy. I Gilmore. didn't have. Yeah, uh, I didn't happy you, Gilmore. But yeah, he uh, <laughs> he just challenged me to always be better because you, know, you didn't easily, you, easily you did. one of the best film golf films of all time. Yeah, you, you didn't you didn't do what I did at the firefighters invitational, which was swing at the ground and hit the cl- the club fell off the the club head fell off and went further than the ball out of a, <laughs> yeah. an anger swing. <laughs> yeah, I, see, didn't, I, think I didn't if, get that talking to so. I think if I'd have done that, he'd have taken his belt off right there and just started <laughs> beating me. <laughs> hey, when you 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 mentioned uh, like your your pops passing, when that happened, do you feel like your love for the game of golf like? was kind of reborn was that kind of a, a pivotal moment and and did you were you kind of like damn like this was our thing i need to keep this going mm-hmm. yeah so it kind of went in in waves i guess so the night before he passed or the day before he passed i was playing a golf tournament in monterey and he was in the hospital in vacaville and i finished the golf tournament and i turned my phone back on i got a call from my nephew who never calls me for anything I'm like, that's weird. So I call him back and say, hey, what's up? He goes, hey, you need to get back to the hospital right now. Your dad's not doing too well. So I said, okay. So, you know, the drive Monterey to Vacaville is long. It's like two and a half hours. But I think I was going 95, 100 on the freeway just to, to get back there. And, yeah, got back got back to the hospital. And, and it just – that whole night wasn't good. He wasn't able to talk much. And then the following days when he, when he passed and I was in the room when it happened – and immediately after that, I, I just golf was not the focus in my life. It wasn't something I wanted to do. Was I just had no passion to go back out to the course. And then when I did, a couple of weeks later or a month later, I found myself just being so angry, you know, because I I'd always talk to him about you know rounds or shots, and especially before tournaments and after tournaments. So to not have him there to, to talk to and be on the phone with it just it was something I couldn't cope with right away. So I, I lost that passion, that desire for a little bit. But then it got rekindled in January when I asked the head coach at Sac State if he needed an assistant. So I started as an assistant golf coach there. And the first day of practice, I immediately brought back the joy of golf for me because I was helping the guys out and I could see like their passion for practicing. And I was giving them advice. And what was weird was the advice that I was giving them was the exact same advice my dad would always give me. I mean, I would, I said it the exact same way with this, I just, and it, it resonated so deep with me. So that brought back the, the joy and then started playing in more tournaments and really started playing well again. And like you said, it got to a point where I was like, okay, you know what, this was our, our thing. This was, you know, his dream and my dream as well. So, you know, I can really give this a shot and, and keep that, keep that alive for both of us so it's become i've come to peace with it now which has been great switching gears kind of back to the genesis have you played the riviera a lot are you pretty familiar with the course no i just and, played the first first time in the last two days monday and tuesday and and what is that i mean to an extent when you think about tournaments and and the pga tour and folks oh they, this is they, they've played this more than anyone what's the advantage level for playing a course a lot or is it really like hey it's more minimal than people think as far as having played a course you know a hundred times versus you know a few times i think the biggest advantage you have of playing a course a lot is just knowing the reads on the greens and knowing you know kind of how putts break and you know how things react when they hit the green and, and kind of where that's what i was shot. Gonna ask. I was going to ask, yeah, I was going to ask, like, um, you know, obviously for other sports, you study film, you look at, so like, for instance, like 
when you're playing the course, you study, you know, specifically, okay, I need to hit the ball a certain way. I need to bend it this way. I need to, there's a slope on this putt. I need to make yep. sure, you know, so you're going through all those things as you're playing the course, like every, you know, how many times, I, was, I mean, if I could ask, how many times on average would you say, such as like a new course like this, would you play it before you're like, all right, I got it locked in. Like, I know, okay, you know, on this, uh, on this hole, I got to do this. On that hole, I got to do this. I would say it usually takes about four to six rounds on average to, to really know, okay, this is where I need to hit it. This is where I'd have my best chance of making birdie. This is, you know, kind of where I can miss on certain shots. And yeah, so four to six usually is about, I would say, a good number. So average out five. Are you uh, getting some sponsors reaching out? Like who's reached out to you and, and wants you to – to, to sponsor you while you pay. I heard Capital Protection might be sponsoring you. Yeah, CP, <laughs> C, CPG, we're going to put them on the CPG bag. CPG on a winning spree. Uh -huh. CPG, man, we're about, we about to sponsor the sponsor Like, what about foot, footwear clubs? Like, have any anybody reached out on that regard? Yeah, so one of the members of the golf course I work at, he's our, like, local rep for Nike. And when the announcement came out, right, and the, the picture that they used, came out, you know, I'm wearing a Nike shirt and a Nike hat. So he said he sent that to his higher ups and, you know, said, Hey, look, we have this kid, He's, you know, not on any brands or, you know, not tied to anything. So, you know, can, what can we do? And got back and said, yeah, we'd love to, you know, outfit you for the week and kind of see, you know, where you take it from there. And the funny part was the guy goes, well, can you see yourself wearing Nike? I'm like, I grew up. The only thing I would wear is Nike. I'm like, hey, everybody, I, I, if you're an athlete, yeah. you're, 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 that's your yeah, dream right there yeah if you're an athlete i mean all of us inspired you know michael jordan tiger woods you got lebron michael vick i mean it's just yeah nike was where it's at so i sat down I was like yeah of course i mean we might need to do a bridge to bridge cpg combo dan and get that bay area love on there representing mm -hmm. for the bay <laughs> well, what yeah, about the, what about the irons and and uh you know bags hats i mean i know the sponsorship mm -hmm. game is crazy in golf yeah yeah, it's, I've always, well, for the last few years, I've used Titleist clubs that they're helping out. They just sent me some new wedges to use for the tournament. I, got, I think some irons are on the way as well. So it'll be Titleist in the bag. I've used the same putter for 12 years. That's not going to change. It's a Scotty Cameron Titleist as well. So, yeah, so that'll, that's kind of how that one's worked out. Which Scotty Cameron? The Newport? Newport 2, 2008 edition. What do you feel right now? What part of your game is the strongest for you? Putting. Yeah, putting easily and then wedges, distance control, and kind of distance control with irons as well. So, yeah, that uh, I'll say that with no hesitation. Man, yeah, that's... it's it's. Uh, I feel like I need to work on every aspect of my golf game right now. So it's it's uh, fun to hear that you, you feel strongly about parts of your game. What do you feel like you're lacking? Uh, short nowhere, game. Mike. He's not lacking anywhere. My man yeah, is invincible nowhere. across all. You know, <laughs> yeah. trust me no, on every, that. Every, if I had to give myself a grade for everything, putting's an A plus, wedges are an A, irons are A, driving's an A minus, and chipping's an A minus. So I'm just, you know, I'm all A's all around. Did you have you ever? Did you ever get into the the whole you know long drive? bravado like yo i want to drive it super long or have you never really been like uh care much about that you just want a nice good drive where you want it yeah i mean i've i've like to say i've been blessed i mean i'm tall and athletic uh i work out obviously so 
I'm somewhat strong, maybe not as strong as Dan, but so I hit the ball plenty far and kind of always have since I was a kid. So I've never been one to, you know, try to, I'm not Bryson. Like I'm not just trying to, you know, kind of get all of it out that I can. So those long drive competitions are, you see these guys with like 28 inch biceps <laughs> and they're like, yep. they're literally happy Gilmore in the ball, like as far as they, like, is there a world record for longest drive right now? 400 yards, right? No, I think it's five something in that turn, in that, <laughs> in that long drive thing. I think that it might be shorter, but I think I want to say it's five something. Kind of want to look that up. Yeah, yeah. look up, Dan, look up long, longest drive in the long drive contest. Do you have a caddy that you've used for a long time, like a, a someone that, or, or, you know, that you have, that you have a really good relationship with? Yeah, so my buddy that's caddy and his name is Zach Sims. He's from Napa. We played against each other as kids and were rivals in high school. We were actually co-MVP of our league our senior year of high school. And we worked together at Silverado and Napa after we both graduated college. He's caddy for me in a bunch of tournaments. I've caddied for him in a bunch of tournaments. But the quick story I'll share about him, it kind of, kind of just tells you how great of a, a person he is. So my dad passes away on a Sunday night. Monday, I get a call to play golf in a pro-am at Silverado. And, you know, I didn't really want to play, but the people who called didn't know my situation. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it just because it helped me take my mind off of it, of everything. And I get out there and I said, the only way I'm going to play is if my boy Zach caddies for me. I said, yeah, that's no problem. And I, for five hours that day, Zach made me laugh. We had a great time playing on the course. And just he helped me just kind of forget about the sorrow that was kind of life at the moment. And I'll forever be grateful for, for that, you know, those five hours because he knew what was going on. And, and he's just always such a passionate and just good guy that, you know, for him to be there in that moment, uh, it meant the world to me. So now for us, you know, kind of going at this tournament as a, as a team, as a duo, is uh, definitely special and kind of incredible how it's kind of all worked out. That's that's awesome. You got a guy like that because I was going to yeah. pitch us three as like a three team caddy, me, Dan, and <laughs> yeah. Mike. But it in sounds a rotation. Like, sounds like you have it locked up on a let on me a guess. Dan Dan would have to carry the clubs. Let me let me guess that. No, we make you the driver, Dan. You drive the cart, and and me and you Mike. Don't, will you get don't the get clubs. a cart. You don't get a cart. To answer your question, the world record long drive was by a 64 year old named Mike Austin in 1974 at the U.S. Senior National Open qualifier, 515 yards. Caught some tailwind on that, guaranteed. What? That's insane. Caught some heavy tailwinds on that. That's insane. Well, dude, Aaron, I think we could probably pick your brain all day about golf and and, Mm -hmm. and everything, but we like to do a little lightning trivia round before we let you go. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to – Ahead, we, yeah, the, the bridge to bridge, you want to show the belt? You yeah, have the sure. belt on you. We have a, a lightning round. This is um, not quite as prestigious as what you're going to win uh, coming up in the Genesis, but yeah. um, it's pretty legit in the Bay Area. There's been some good. GP2 held the belt for a period of time. Jeremy Fish uh, held the belt, and we do have a new winner holding the belt coming up, so it's a nice, good-looking belt. Right. Um and Question: Does he get to hang on to that belt, or is it kind of just we're, like a? We're virtual, gonna we're gonna send him yeah. a mini one. We're gonna send him a mini one. <laughs> no, he can. Yeah, yeah, he can hang on to it. Or if we ever get our act together, we'll turn the belt into an NFT. You know, yeah, one of those. We can 3D. send him an NFT, bro. But but we make we make the this these questions really really difficult on purpose. And 
I know you're going to win the Genesis and crush it over there. So we're not going to yeah. take it easy on you here because we know you're about to get the W there. Oh boy. So uh, wait, so are these, are they, are they, they're Bay area related questions only? Like what's the, uh, yeah, the, these are Bay area. We usually go, uh, uh, a spectrum of different topics, but we focused on golf here. But again, these are very like, uh, uh, even I'll just give you, you know, to, to preface this, I asked the brothers some of these questions before to run and buy them and they don't know the answer. So it's, it's ridiculously difficult. We make it like that unless Mike okay. like blurts out a hint or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start here. First question, what famous San Francisco athletic and social club hosted the 2012 U.S. Open. It's a very well-known Olympic club. Boom. My man's out of the first round. So that's what's <laughs> most important because sometimes we get folks on the show. They don't make it out of the first. It gets awkward. We go, hey, sorry. Like, you know, Dom gives them the hint and then he's like, oh, we got another yeah. question for you. You know, he, he does yeah. a good job. At being yeah, okay. There we go. Okay. This one, I'm going to, I'm going to bump this one from three. This was going to be the third hardest question, but I'm bumping it to two because you're from the area. So Famous golfer known for the long drive from the Bay Area, the Sacramento area, not to be confused with a Bay Area city that was named after a founder that shares his name. This golfer, old, old school golfer from Sacramento Bay Area and known for his long drive, actually had the nickname Long John. Long John? I mean, Carmichael. John Daly, that's it. You got it. That's it. John Daly. I mean, that's a good dude. It's a, <laughs> good wow. How did even I could see Bev's face was like, what? The nickname Long John gave it away Long, for sure. Yeah, Long John gave that's it away. That's all right. Away. It's hey, we're we're cruising. It's gonna get tougher. So, you know. Okay. What infamous hole at the Lincoln Golf Course in San Francisco can you, you know? Uh, uh, ceremonially uh, take launch a shot over the cliffs into the water, looking out into the Bay Bridge. I mean, the, the Golden Gate Bridge. And this is the number of the hole at the Lincoln Municipal Golf Course in San Francisco. This hole, it's kind of tradition. I'm sure the golf course doesn't like to talk about this tradition that you get your ball and you launch one into the water, looking out into the Golden Gate. Mm, I'm going to guess 16. That's a, oh. a Seventeenth hole. Oh, the seventeenth oh, hole. Have you it's, played Lincoln? Uh, a long time when I was a kid. When I was like six. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know that. Hey, you got to the third round. I'll ask the last question because this one was interesting. Now you used to you used to roll with your mom to dance classes. Is is yep. that correct? You're into yep. kinesiology. Hey, you know. So, so what I was going to ask is. Um, along the lines of a very famous ballet, this famous historical building in San Francisco, directly across from City Hall, has annually hosted the Nutcracker Ballet with the San Francisco Symphony. You know the sad part? I've watched them dance there. I've watched that same performance you're talking about three times in my life. And it's epic, uh, right? The, 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 yeah. the, the building's oh, insane, super it, old school. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's like building a... It's like twenties. Yeah. Um, oh my god. I I don't even have. It. Yeah, I got nothing yeah. on this one. It, it's it's the War Memorial Opera House. Um, yeah. Oh, but you know, again, the, the bros didn't get question. that. That's a tough like, question. Yeah, it's it's tough. We make it tough, and yeah. but you know, hey, 
I got no doubt how you're going to do at the Genesis. I'm going to be personally going there. If you need me to <laughs> handle business with any other, uh, you know, competitors, I can get in their head, Gilmore style, whatever, oh, yeah. you know, I got to check yeah. the rules and stuff like that, but I will be there representing, supporting for sure to, to come watch you crush it at that yeah. Genesis and have no doubts you will. Oh yeah. I appreciate it. Dom. That's yeah. You uh, just sit in the crowd and just, you know, kind of shout stuff out whenever you feel necessary. And if you're, you know, a little uh, under the influence of some specific type of liquid, that's fine too. <laughs> I won't go as hard as we just did at Lambo, where we watched the Niners mop up uh, Aaron oh. Rodgers. Oh um, my gosh. You know, my blood as- pressure, my blood pressure was spiking that whole game. Uh, real quick, real quick question for you guys. Is there any luckier quarterback in the NFL than Jimmy G? Because I don't know any <laughs> anybody who can score or not score a single and touchdown in, in two games and win both of them. And, hey, beat, wins, Aaron, and beat Aaron Rodgers. Hey, he's, he wins. He's, he's lucky, and he has one of the most gangster defenses, you know, of, of recent times in, in the yeah. defense he has. Aaron like, must be a Raiders fan, dude. <laughs> I was – so Chiefs. I was hoping to see teacher versus student. I think it would have been really cool to see Tom versus Jimmy. versus Jimmy in the Super Bowl, but obviously, obviously that didn't work out. I'm hoping to see. I, it's going to be dangerous if the Niners play the Chiefs, so I'm hoping it's it's Niners and Bengals. Uh, the other question I have for you guys. Just, okay, you know, I like get, this. Yeah, okay, or, okay. Or, yeah, or Dan can answer. Oh, well, Dan's going to give his opinion no matter what. Would you like to see the NFL change the overtime rules at least one thousand percent, like NCAA college for sure? It ma- it makes no sense. You don't. I mean, you, you win the you win the coin toss, you win. Yeah, but that's it, not the case though. There's been a lot of teams that have won the coin. Yeah, toss. Yeah, I tell you what, you win the coin toss with the Niners next week in overtime, they're going to snuff you out, guaranteed. You're not scoring, but. The Chiefs, man, Mahomes. I mean, you knew when they won that toss. You're like, all right, turn the TV off. That's a score. Yeah, uh, I think which, uh, it's it's dangerous, man. It, if if it's Niners Chiefs, man, Mahomes it, is rematch, is, bro. That's a it, it would be nice to see one rebuttal drive from the other mm-hmm. team, though. That that would be that would be you know good. Yeah. yeah. Would you have it changed to like I know you guys said college, but would you start them no kickoff? Just start you know on a thirty-five yeah. or forty. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, I absolutely. I think I, in all the years of playing football, I, I think that would make that makes the most sense. I mean, it, it's I, I think it's it's outdated. I think it needs to be changed. But the sad truth about it is, is I don't think that they'll ever change it. In my opinion, they'll probably won't change it. I think they will after this year, bro. Well, because the same thing happened to the Chiefs uh, three years ago. They played Patriots. And they go to overtime. Chiefs don't get the coin toss. Tom Brady takes them down. You know they score a touchdown, and that's it. Game's over. If I'm correct, Bev, you're not a Niners fan, are you? What are, you're a? No, I'm a Chiefs fan. You're a Chiefs fan. That's as right. Of, as of four years ago, probably I never heard. No, of the no, my mom, my mom's from Kansas. See, my mom's from Kansas City, so I got the you know ties. I I will tell you this: when Kaepernick was on the Niners, wanted to see them do well every year. That, that was my guy. Yeah, just every, you know. Yeah. Kind of a little bit of a res- resemblance, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard that one. Any light skin dude I look like. <laughs> we look got like a, we got a friend. We got another friend that, that mutual friend of me and Bev know that looks exactly like him, Rob, Rob Beal. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bev, I got, I got one other question. You know, from being in the Vallejo area, 
Yeah. Have you gotten a call yet from E40 congratulating you? I know golf isn't really his realm. He's more, you know, he he hits up the hoop players and stuff, but has he called yet? And if not, we're going to need to make sure he gives you a call at this at this uh, Genesis. Yeah, so it's funny. I no, answer your question. I haven't gotten a phone call from him, but I used to <laughs> I used to take workout classes with his little brother Muggs in Vacaville. And then actually the night after I found the news, Marcus and I got some of E40's cognac and we had that to celebrate. So we drank that. So yeah, yeah. Tell that man I need a phone call and I need to be reimbursed for that bottle. Dude, the, that's a son that's a son of Vallejo out here doing big things at the Riviera. So we're gonna have to get a hold of E40 and be like, dude, call call our boy and, and put on for Vallejo. So yeah, I'm my boy yeah, Ben. Let me know. My boy Ben, man. Yep. You put seven on seven oh seven on a hat or on a bag somewhere next to CPG and you know, we'll be good. Dan, if you sponsor, you're gonna have to come down. That's the part of the rules. If you if you sponsor, you got to be a present sponsor. Don't be one of these people to just sponsor and not be there. And the not rib, be there. I might the, have to, man. The rib is like it's like ten minutes from here. How many from, tickets for, do from they my give house? You? Three or four, right? I, yeah, I haven't found out how many tickets. That was kind of the one thing everyone was asking. You know. Oh, I'm sure you have all of your buddies hitting you up. Oh yeah, yeah. Every yeah. single so, golf buddy wants a ticket. Yep. I told them, hey, my mom gets it first. My best friend gets the second one. And then from there, you know, we can start the bidding. But yeah. Oh, crazy. My ticket must be in the mail then. Okay, for sure. <laughs> Yo, you're, you're, you're the sponsor. So, you, you know, I don't need a ticket. <laughs> hey, hey a ticket. when you've played against Alex Gibbs and Eric Olsom, who who's walked out victorious? Me, every time. <laughs> i'm gonna send them that just, hey, just just make sure you don't play with mike before this tournament i mean Stop. you want to talk about something that'll derail your your <laughs> wavelength i mean your whole career oh dude mike is the easiest hey i'm sure you got bev the players where you know you can literally just look over and smile and you will send them into a tailspin like if they're playing bad and you're playing well you just look and you go like this you go hmm huh? That was a nice shot. And they're like, yo, I can't believe, hey, dude. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, I didn't say anything except smile and say, hmm, like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've seen every kind of golfer you can imagine. So, you know, Mike, if you want to work, come get the smoke today. I don't want to do, work. Do, hey, do, it, when you're playing competitively, I mean, do guys do that? Like, obviously, there's not trash talk like, yo, you're trash. But they go, oh, that was an interesting shot or do little subtle things. I'm, I'm sure uh, when they're passing by, it's like relentless. Yeah, everybody has their little intricacies that they, you know, kind of do and, and to get under your skin. Yeah, I'm always – yeah. Tiger, Tiger just like I remember when he last won, he would like stand in front of the guy as he was teeing off, you know. And it's like to be teeing off and Tiger's looking down your throat, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, Tiger always had what well, his huge advantage was. He has these massive crowds, right? Like the first time I ever watched him was twenty thousand people walking down the fairway watching one guy. So. You know, if you're if you're not used to that, I mean, that can be intimidating right away. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know, obviously Tiger's kind of in a realm of his own, so we would just we'll just kind of leave him there. Dan gets those crowds when he's out at the clubs in Sacramento. They love him, dude. The CPG. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I get the nerves it with, with when I when I play football. I mean, the most people I'd ever been around when I played football was probably like. 20, 25,000 people. That was like the most. But I'll say when I was like professionally like powerlifting and you're because it's just you just kind of like golf. It's just you're you're the it's just you and the platform or you like the last meet that I did was the very last one actually that I ever did was a was a Reebok meet. 
And I mean, I had like, it wasn't even a huge crowd. It was like maybe a thousand people. That's it. But just all eyes just on you and you alone. And that's it. It was just like, I was like, oh shit, this is, that's this scary. fucking scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's, it's, it's definitely scary. I, and I, it's funny. I would say a couple, only a few sports are like that. Like I was, my roommate Kyle up in Sacramento was a professional baseball player for a while. And uh, he was a pitcher and he's like, dude, out on the mound, you're, you're, it's you. That's it. Everyone's looking at you. You're the pitcher. You're in control of the game. Like there's very few sports like golf where it's like, it's just you and you're, it's it, all eyes are on you. Any messed up, you do everything. So it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. So real quick comment on that, because a bunch of people have asked me, you know, are you going to be nervous or, you know, how are you going to handle it? And my response is this. Take what you do best in your life, like whatever you do best. So for Dan, it's probably eating. So you put you put thirty thousand. <laughs> wow, I didn't know we were throwing fire, blows dog. here. Oh my! You put you put thirty thousand people in front of Dan, watching him eat. Is he going to be that nervous? No, because you know that's just nope. what he does. Yep, he just that's well, going to come. Dog. Yeah, not unless it's a come. large cheese pizza. He's going to get nervous on the queso. <laughs> no disrespect, dog. <laughs> but no, oh, I mean, in all seriousness, though, uh, so golf is something, you know, I practice every day, you know, four or five, six hours. And I just look at it like that. Like, this is what I'm really good at. And this, you know, this is what I work for. So out there, it should be no different, whether it's 30,000 people watching or me playing out in the morning by myself. So I, that's how I approach it. Plus, I mean, hey, with golf and, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, hey, if you hit a shot that's bad, you have like, how can I how can I turn this into like a great recovery, which is so great about golf because there's 18 holes, there's multiple shots and you can take a bad shot and it's not the end of the world if you can come back from it. So, I mean, that's 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 pretty rad. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Always good ways to kind of look at it. You know, the world, uh, the best advice my dad ever gave me. No matter what happens, the sun still comes up tomorrow. And sometimes it doesn't shine as bright, you know, especially if you have a bad day, but you still have an opportunity to make the most out of something. So that's always kind of just stuck with me. Well, with that, man, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and spending some time with the, uh, the brothers and the, and the Bridge of Bridge, Dom and, and Dan. Anything you guys want to add? Yeah, I, I was just going to say thank you so much for coming on. I know you're yeah. getting ready. Hey, seriously, if you need anything, man, down here, I'm down here all the time. And so, you know, I, I need anything leading up or, or, you know, anything like that. We're around for you, man. And, and we're we're pulling for you hard and, and know that it's going to be a big W at the Genesis. So, Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me on the show and on the podcast. And I look forward to being down there and hopefully seeing you guys out there, especially having Dan, you know, Dan's got to run security or something. So we'll have him out there. 